Welcome to The Proper Car. I'm Drew Markey, your car ally. I'm an automotive enthusiast and industry expert. This podcast will help you make better purchases, avoid getting ripped off, and find ways to enjoy car ownership. All right, let's get started. Welcome back. Today's main topic is one that I think many will appreciate, although some may dislike. Who is your car for? People buy cars for many different reasons. So portions of this topic are pretty straightforward, but others may seem like I'm calling people out. My intention here is to help you ask yourself the right questions when you decide to go buy a car. And in the end, the only goal is for you to be happy with the results. But I'll dig into all of that soon. Before we get into the main topic, I wanted to take a few minutes to talk about something fun and really different. And it's related to a fundraising event I'm providing my support to, the Aperture Movie Prom, which is coming up shortly after this episode releases on March 10th, 2023. Aperture is a wonderful local art house cinema in downtown Winston-Salem. It opened in 2010 and has been one of our favorite spots for date nights, random movie viewings, and plenty of other gatherings that have taken place there ever since. They're one of the main locations used to premiere films at the River Run International Film Festival, and it's safe to say that with all of those things combined, it has become kind of an iconic location within our city. A few years ago, they became a nonprofit. And events like this movie prom are one of the ways that they bring in the funds to stay open, to staff a really great team of employees, and to continue bringing great films to our city. So when Lauren, the executive director and curator, reached out to see if I'd be interested in helping with this event, I gave an immediate and resounding yes. Why am I sharing this on a car podcast, though? Uh, a car podcast that reaches way beyond just Winston-Salem, North Carolina. It reaches all over the United States and many countries around the world. Well, I think local small businesses, organizations, restaurants, cafes, galleries, museums, and nonprofits deserve every bit of love that they can get. These places are often created and run out of a love for something. And they're what make your community unique. If you have places like this in your area, whether it's another cinema or any of the other types of small businesses and organizations that I just mentioned, check them out. And if you love what they do and how they enrich your city, support them however you can. Since I'm also a small business owner and one that's still pretty early in the process, I'm happy to do what I can to support others, and I always appreciate when they reciprocate like Lauren did by thinking of me to help with this event. Maybe one day I'll have the ability to contribute more significantly through financial support beyond what I was capable of for this one, but even little things like mentions on a podcast, sharing something on social media, or telling friends about a small business is so, so helpful. Now I want to tell you a little bit more about this event in particular, the prom, because 
I think it's such a great idea and I'm really looking forward to participating, to being part of this prom in just a few days. As with any high school prom, there's an annual theme and this year's theme is the secret garden. The fact that this is also going to be taking place in the exact same building as my own senior prom is both fun and kind of funny to me. The automotive partnership component is also really fun because for just about every movie that's in some way about high school proms or just the teenage years, there's a car that features prominently. Many examples probably already came to mind when I mentioned that, but to jog your memory, you'll probably remember the Volkswagen bus from Fast Times at Ridgemont High, the Lexus convertible from Mean Girls, Cadillac DeVille from License to Drive, or maybe the Jeep Wrangler from Clueless. And there are just so many more great examples. In each of these movies, the car becomes part of the cast. They play an important supporting role. Cars are actually cast for films much like the actors are themselves. And they do a lot to help you understand who that actor is and what they're gonna be like. An old Volvo wagon being driven by one character and a brand new Corvette driven by another can help explain who they are and what their role is going to be in the movie before the actor even steps out of the car. My job was to find a good car we could use as a backdrop outside of the event. Just like with casting a car for the movie, I wanted to help with creating a scene that feels immediately recognizable, something memorable and nostalgic. I've lined one up and I think it perfectly fits the description, but instead of sharing what it will be uh, on this podcast, you're just going to have to wait and see like anyone who's going to be attending this prom. And speaking of that, even though this is coming out on the Wednesday before the event, it's not too late to get tickets. So if you are in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, or in this general area, and you'd like to take a special date to the prom this Friday, March 10th, visit aperturecinema.com to get your tickets. And honestly, even if you just find what they're doing as something that you're interested in and you want to also help support them, they're a wonderful organization and there are other ways that you could contribute and I know that it would be greatly appreciated. All right, now let's get into the main topic of today's podcast. Recently, I was wondering about the average number of occupants in a car, you know, because these are the kinds of pressing issues that dwell in my brain. And I was not at all surprised to see that the average is about 1.5 people. Obviously, since it's an average, it means that lots of the time there's only one person in the car. And it turned out that around 85% of cars on the road at any given time are only occupied by the driver and no one else. This got me thinking about the topic of the day. Who is your car for? 
Honestly, that topic had already been on my mind, but for a very different reason, which I'm going to get to in just a moment. When I'm speaking with clients about their upcoming car purchases, a lot of questions I ask revolve around this concept. Who uses your car most of the time and how is it used? As with the quiz I mentioned last week, it helps to ask some questions that aren't always what people would first think of when they're car shopping. Questions about the daily use of a car help my clients better understand what's necessary, what may be nice to have, and which of the things they're considering that just aren't really necessary, as well as the ones that are super important to them. Who a car is for is a pretty loaded question, though. It's honestly not very effective if I ask this question so bluntly. So let's talk about how you can figure this kind of thing out for your next car purchase. Sometimes people buy a car because of the statement that it makes. For example, you've probably known people who buy cars because of the badge. And that could be a Subaru or a BMW. Each of those cars has a unique brand image. And that image you might feel best represents you or is the one that you want to put out there to the world. Other times, the image component is tied to a style or a type of vehicle. This is often the case these days with SUV or CUV buyers. Lots of the people picking their favorite SUV from the hordes of options that are available are doing so not because it's actually the best vehicle for their needs, but because it does what they need and it also says something about them. What does it say? Well, that varies from person to person. But I'll just point out that there are two main styles of vehicle on the market today that offer seating for seven, the SUV and the minivan. Minivans are generally more fuel efficient, more comfortable, significantly more spacious, and they're designed primarily to move lots of people, especially children, in a way that no other type of car can really compare to. Sliding doors make getting kids in and out easier, thanks to that huge space that's opened up, as well as the fact that it keeps you from dinging up other cars when a door is inadvertently flung open too far by a child who has no reason to realize what's wrong about doing that. I'd actually argue that they're the better vehicle for the average truck driver too. The storage space that you have in a minivan with the rear seats dropped down into the floor or removed from it is pretty massive. And most are able to fit far more than an average truck bed can. And if you need to haul things outside of the cabin, they can generally tow a decent amount too. But minivans suck. Or at least that's the image we've placed on them for years. SUVs are cool because they have a rugged look, they can go off-road, and they're considered to be perfect in all kinds of weather conditions. Trucks are cool for a lot of those same reasons. And because they're trucks, looking tough isn't connected to minivan ownership. So the designs, proportions, the features and colors 
are all selected to appeal to a very different market than the approach that's taken with trucks. Both of those vehicles put utility as a top priority, but they go about it in very different ways. I find it funny that the one that actually does a better job at hauling most of the stuff that people are typically hauling around, as well as being great people movers, is the option that is almost never considered. Although it's really only excluded because of image. There are other reasons people select a vehicle though, and obviously image only covers part of it. For example, if you commute and run errands in your city for 13,000 of the 15,000 miles you drive every year, but those 2,000 miles you're out camping or hauling stuff around, then it's likely that a truck is going to be the thing that allows you to do all of that. And you're just going to have to rationalize the 85% of the mileage that you put on it not being as good as plenty of other cars for that purpose. And here's where I'll call myself out for this. As I've mentioned recently, I drive a Mazda Miata. It's more fuel efficient and much smaller than trucks and SUVs, so that kind of helps it make more sense for things like commuting and parking in the city. But I only have a one mile commute and many of the trips I make are only a few miles. So honestly, when you consider the bulk of my usage of a car, I should probably have either a hybrid or a short range electric car if I was picking something out purely because of the most common way that it's used. I enjoy driving though, and that includes things like nimble handling and a manual transmission. In the past, I've done track days and would like to do more in the future, and driving on local mountain roads is something I really enjoy. And to do that in something that is pleasurable I want to be in a car that's light and agile. So who did I buy my Miata for? Well, I'd like to think for me. If I didn't care about driving enjoyment or rowing my own gears, I'd probably be in a Nissan Leaf or some other small electric car. Miatas have their own stereotypes. And just as I call out truck owners for things that I can't relate to, they'll do the same to me. In some circles, the Miata is seen as an icon, the perfect car for a driving enthusiast. And you could probably imagine that's the camp I probably most closely align with. In others, it's seen as inferior, weak, or boring. And that's just within kind of car culture. Some of the other things that are said of Miata owners are just disgusting, rude, and hateful. And those types of things only prove the ignorance of the person spewing such thoughts. That can be said about lots of other cars. And you know what? I'll probably just go ahead and move on from this topic before I take it too far and I end up having to mark this podcast episode as explicit. So let's get back on track with this. If you only own one car, you use it regularly, and you don't want to go rent a vehicle to do the other things that it can't do any more than is absolutely necessary at least, 
then you, as all of us do, make plenty of concessions. For me, the stiff ride quality and the cramped quarters of a lowered Miata are some of the trade-offs that I'm willing to deal with to get the other things I don't want to go without. But if you've never towed anything, the bed of your truck stays empty most of the time, and you find yourself using it purely for local city driving, then I would say it is worth considering who it is that you might be buying that truck for. And the same can still be said about most cars. I could just as easily see that same kind of uh, breakdown describing a sports car. You know, if you are pretty much just commuting, if you never really use the power that the vehicle has the capacity to put out, uh, you know, there's plenty of other things that might make that make no sense at all. And if those things don't align and they don't meet your actual usage, then again, you may just be buying the sports car because of its image. Image is something that just about everyone cares about though. For some, it means more than others. And for people who fall into that category, it's pretty likely that their car purchases also have to match the image that they're trying to put out there to the world. That doesn't mean you have to be foolish about your purchases though. Driving a certain brand or type of car may be something you're just not willing to say no to, even if the version that you're thinking of doesn't necessarily make logical sense financially or based on your usage. But this is where I would suggest just trying to be a little more creative to make sure that you're able to align the financial side of things as well as the interest you have in what your car says about you so that it doesn't put you in a bind so that you can still be satisfied with the car you own. For example, you could spend 15 grand on a really nice classic Mercedes-Benz, or you could spend 85,000 on a brand new one. Character and style are key selling points of that classic one. Modern amenities, and maybe in some cases that kind of impressive price tag might be reasons why some would choose the new one. But I'd be willing to bet that the right classic Mercedes will turn more heads and serve that same image purpose as the new one could. Maybe even helping you to stand out more so. And in doing so, it's also gonna save you a ton of cash. Now, if you're chauffeuring clients around or if there's some sort of a, a purpose, a function of your car that requires that it's newer with modern safety features, then of course that doesn't describe you. But I bet we can all think of someone who meets that description. And many of the people that we're thinking of right now are driving around in something that they can barely afford while presenting an image of wealth. And since this podcast is about helping people pick a car that meets needs, desires, and financial realities, I'll go ahead and say that these kinds of purchases aren't something I would recommend. In those cases, 
Your car is for others more than it is for you. Or it's for the image that you hope to portray, even if it's kind of a false reality. I know these statements are harsh, but when it comes to those types of scenarios, they're also true. Okay, let's change gears and return to where we started. Cars are very expensive items to own and maintain, and picking the right one might mean making those financial elements of car ownership much more comfortable for you. Finding one that matches your actual usage helps you enjoy it more, and that means you might keep it longer. If you listen to the last couple of episodes, you're going to understand just how much money that will save you over time. So what if you're the only one in your car 85% of the time, like in the average I talked about earlier, but the other 15%, you're packing the car full of your whole family. What kind of car might make the most sense to do each of those things? Or what if you travel on dirt roads a lot, or the weather in your area is snowy for a few months of the year? These are all the important questions that I suggest people ask of themselves rather than just going out and buying a car based off of what they think it is that they want. A lot of times that first impression, the first thing, the the first car that catches your eye or the one that you're drawn to can be because of image, can be because of what it might say about you. And I think there's a way to be able to do both things really well, to have a car that does still say something about you while not allowing it to be something that puts you in a bad spot. There are a lot of other things that are always going to be worth considering, stuff that I would ask of anyone who I'm trying to help through these types of decisions, considering things like if there's another car in your household, if there is, if you're able to swap cars with the person who primarily drives that one, if you have the ability to work from home in inclement weather or There's a lot of other scenarios like these that always come up that make every single situation unique and are worth considering when you're trying to make these decisions. For some people, the budget is where a lot of this effort goes. It might mean that they're trying to save money for college or they don't want to return to a car payment or they are ready to splurge a little because the bonus from a year of hard work was better than expected. So if I haven't completely turned you off with my statements about image and who we're buying cars for in this episode, then I hope you'll reach out and lean on my expertise to help you find the car you need or the one you're dreaming of. Generally, I try not to use the podcast episodes as a way to pitch my business, despite mentioning it briefly in a couple of recent ones. But I figured today would be a good time to remind listeners about what it is I do, how I often approach it, and to see if that appeals to your interests. If you haven't already, I hope you'll take the quiz on my website that I called out in the last episode as well. And if your results or if any of the points that I've made give you reason to think we should talk, please reach out. Okay, let's head into the closing section of today's podcast. Last week, I mentioned that today's topic might be a bit spicy. If you made it this far, 
I guess it's within your tolerance. I try to keep it real without being too harsh, but I know that calling out things I see as less than perfect situations can sometimes come across as hating rather than helping. So hopefully you don't find these kinds of statements too judgmental or too rude. You're always welcome to share feedback by emailing me at podcast at thepropercar.com, whether it's in anger or appreciation. I'll benefit from learning how you feel and where I can continue to improve. Now for a quick recap. Who your car is for is a complicated problem to solve, but it's very worth considering before you go make a big purchase. Figuring out if you're trying to portray an image through your vehicle choice rather than buying something for your own tastes and needs is wise, because the best way to enjoy your car and to keep your costs down is to get something that really suits you well, that you're happy keeping for as long as possible. Make sure the car you buy does the things you need it to on a daily basis, but that it also serves the sides of car ownership you enjoy. If you have questions about this topic or would like to explore the concept a bit more with the help of an unbiased expert, please reach out to me at podcast at thepropercar.com. I would love to help you. If you found this information helpful or if you work with me one-on-one and would like to support me so I can continue to help people with their car needs, please visit thepropercar.com slash thank you where you can pay what you can or pay what feels fair for my guidance and services. Options range from $5 to buy me a coffee up to larger amounts for more in-depth services. And you can customize the amounts by selecting quantities and make it any amount that you feel is fair. Next week, we're going to dive into a topic around the future of transportation. This episode will elaborate upon an article I've written, which will be going up before the podcast drops next Wednesday. So if you'd like to read it in advance of the episode, keep an eye out on social media for a link to the article. If you've enjoyed this episode or any of the other content I've created, please consider subscribing and share it with people you know who may benefit from this kind of knowledge. My goal is to help as many people as possible with car buying and ownership to be your car ally and your help spreading the word is much appreciated. Thanks for listening. And until next time, enjoy the drive. 